0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you've heard. We also want to let you know about our Vanguard Collective School of Supernatural Ministry launching this fall. For more information, head to vcssm.com. Or for more resources like this, head to trptampa.com. Well, we're in the middle of an amazing series, the Faith Foundation series. Has anyone been blessed by the series? Anyone learned a few new things? Awesome. Come on. Look at that graphic. We've got awesome people here that do awesome stuff. That's and Sousa right there. Yeah, man. Come on. So good. What we want to do, what we want to accomplish with this series is really to place hope inside of us, to place instruction that leads to hope inside of us because that's Romans 15.4. And it says, whatever was written in former days, speaking of the Old Testament, was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. That's Romans 15 and so it, my whole thing is if you don't read the old testament and get hope out of it you're reading it wrong <laughs> many people have like this false paradigm the god of the old testament the god of the new testament they're different people no he's the same yesterday today and forever they understood him differently then and we understand him differently now because christ is the full representation of his his entire being hebrews 1 1 through 3 says amen Amen. Is it, is it just first service sleepiness or am I going too fast? So that is, that is, okay, good. This is good. So I love it because we're tracking with your kiddos and the CEC. They're learning the same things. They're learning about Uh, some of the same verses some of the same stories and today we're gonna actually it's funny Jordan had no idea what I was talking about today I don't even know if he knows we're in the Old Testament right now or whatever we talked about the promised land he talked about the Israelites all that stuff we're talking about the Israelites crossing the Red Sea today into the, uh, the wilderness and everything where exactly what he talked about I love it that's Holy Ghost tag team right there I love it but here's the thing if you hear nothing else I like giving a bottom line. I like giving a takeaway where you can tune me out right after I say it and just chew on it the rest of the day. I like doing that. It's okay. Totally good. This is, this is the deal. This is an absolute truth. God, when he gives us freedom, he gives us complete and total freedom. Okay? God, when he gives you something, he gives it to you all the way. He's not like holding back 50%, like you'll get this later. You know what I mean? He's, he gives you the whole thing right he gives you all of it he gives us complete and total freedom you might have heard you know Galatians 5.1 that it's for freedom that Christ set us free yeah overquoted, wi- widely misunderstood I like it in the passion translation I'm going to read it to you Galatians 5.1 in the passion translation I, this preaches itself it says let me be clear the anointed one has set us free not partially but completely and wonderfully free let me read that again Paul says, let me be clear. Let me clear this up for you. The anointed one, that's Christ, has set us free, not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. We must always cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. You've got permission to be stubborn in one way. (laughs) You must stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of your past. And I see this, I get this instruction from the story of Moses parting the Red Sea. Who has not heard of that story? I'm sure most have heard. It's okay, don't be embarrassed. All right. So everybody knows the story. And... I I love these stories, like I said, because they're instructional. They give us hope. I love it. And I love the miraculous. I'm like, God, if you did that then, why not now? Like, where's the traffic parting like the Red Sea for me? Where is that on 275 North? Come on, somebody. You know what I mean? Like, where is it? I'm going for the greater things, you know? Anyway, that was a little bit of a joke, but not really. I do pray those things (laughs) when I'm alone in the car. I do that type of stuff. Anyway uh this story is spectacular there's some things that I'm going to point out today I'm going to read preach Exodus 14 if you're new around here read preaching is just where I read and preach at the same time it's like multitasking in the kingdom I like it uh so you can put your finger there in Exodus 14 if you want to um but I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory I'm actually going to take you from last week which was about Joseph and his whole story I'm actually going to take you from there to here all right I'm going to give you some bullet points are you ready it's going to come fast. So last week we talked about Joseph going from uh, his father's house, getting betrayed by his brothers in the pit, the prison, then to the palace with Pharaoh. A lot of Ps. The last one isn't helpful as far as my alliteration goes. And as a Baptist boy, that's upsetting. But that's okay. <laughs> Anybody know three Ps in a poem? No? Okay. Every Sunday, man, it was three Ps in a poem. That was awesome. <laughs> it stuck with you. <laughs> I've got weird, awkward jokes this morning. I'm sorry. <laughs> This, this, uh, backstory is important. It gives us the, the path to it. But, um, Joseph actually, once he gets his family settled because of the favor with Pharaoh, right? He gets his family actually settled in Egypt. Do you know this? And he, they actually, uh, become you know not egyptians but they're hebrews living in egypt and it's they're provided for but then the a new pharaoh comes in and he didn't really like the number of hebrews versus the number of egyptians okay and he was actually threatened by them so he another a different pharaoh actually put them to manual labor and enslaved egypt now that's you know you might think like god why'd you if you knew they were going to be enslaved why'd you put them there like you know don't you know what you're doing and god said yes i know what i'm doing you know just saying sometimes you're in a bad situation and you might think well God would have never let me get here but God absolutely lets you get there because God allows all things we talked about it last week God does not send all things but he wastes nothing right God doesn't send everything but he wastes nothing and so God is not going to waste the the hardships in your life either so Israel is actually enslaved as a nation, and they cry out for a deliverer for a number of years, and God actually uh, delivers Moses from a child genocide by that Pharaoh. So Pharaoh wants to take out all the young uh, Hebrew boys, and Moses is put into a basket, picture of the ark, put down the river. You've seen the Prince of Egypt, so you know, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yep, some of that's not exactly accurate, but most of it's good. I really like that movie. I cry every time. I do. I do. cry like a baby. It's the lady's voice singing. I tried to mimic it, but you wouldn't like it. Anyway, so God saves Moses, and then Moses actually is raised in Pharaoh's palace. He's actually raised as a prince, right, the prince of Egypt, and then one day he actually kills a man accidentally, not kind of accidentally, while trying to defend a slave, and he feels ashamed. He feels scared. He runs into the wilderness, and he, um, in the wilderness, is he becomes a shepherd. He gets connected with some cool wilderness people, shepherd people. I'm going very fast here. God then speaks to Moses at the burning bush, right? You know this story, and sends him back to rescue the Israelites. Now uh, this is totally not what I'm talking about today, but you need to get this eventually. I say this all the time, but the new covenant worshiper is the burning bush, on fire but not burning up. A living sacrifice. The burning bush is the most prophetic picture of A new covenant worshiper. So you can go chew on that, but I'm right about it. You need to know that you're supposed to be on fire, but not dwindling. On fire, but not burning up. That is what a new covenant worshiper does. They step on the altar and become the altar all at the same time. That is good. So God speaks to Moses at that burning bush. says, go rescue my people. You know the story, he says, I'm, I can't, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't talk good, right? And then there, he says, get over it, I'll be with you. He takes his staff. And God does signs and wonders through Moses and his staff as he begs Pharaoh to let his people go. And so there's multiple plagues. I don't have time for all this. I'm just giving the bullet points here. There are uh, multiple plagues on Egypt. And the final plague is actually the death of every firstborn child who didn't have the blood of the lamb on their doorposts, which is where we get Passover from. Are you Okay. I'm going really fast because I want to get to the actual story God told me to talk about today. You all right? Okay, good. So it's awful. Every firstborn dies, except firstborn male dies, except for the Hebrews who have their, the lamb, lamb's blood on the doorpost. And there's a lot of beautiful pictures there. I'm tempted to go into it, but I can't. So stay focused, Caleb. Not you, me. Pharaoh relents after this, and he actually lets Israel go. And once they're actually gone and out of Egypt, he actually changes his mind, all right? Pharaoh is like, oh, snap, I lost all my labor force. That was stupid, you know? He had buyer's remorse or the opposite, I don't know, you know, giver's remorse. I don't know you've ever had giver's remorse. (laughs) Hopefully not here. Yikes. (laughs) Speaking of that, we need to build a room right there for our kids. No joke, we've actually turned away kids every week. I don't know if we've turned away kids this week because we don't have space. And so we need about ten thousand dollars to build that room for a third kid's room. Just putting it out there. God will provide. Amen. Amen. So we've had a lot of improvements. Have you noticed it's colder in here? You like the feeling in here because we insulated the roof. That cost almost five thousand dollars. That's awesome. You know, but we've been doing one thing at a time, and people have been generous. But the Lord will provide, so we can equip the kiddos. Anyway, Pharaoh has giver's remorse. <laughs> That's not a good statement to put in your head. And (laughs) he runs after the Israelites, all right? And he catches up with them at the Red Sea. And that's where Exodus 14 comes into. I'm going to read you that story at the end, okay? Because I'm going to make time. I'm going to do it. I'm going to accomplish the impossible here, okay? It's going to be good. But before we read that story, because so many of you are familiar with it, I'm going to give you some of the pictures. Because God's language is not Hebrew, Greek, English, or Spanish. What is it? It's picture. Oh. You don't know what that does to my heart when you remember stuff. It's like the teacher in me is like, yes, they're paying attention. It's good. So the crossing of the Red Sea is actually a picture of your baptism into Christ's death. It's a picture of baptism. It's a prophetic picture. So I can prove it to you with Scripture. Romans 6 verse 4 in the Passion Translation says, Sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were co-buried and entombed with him. So that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. So it says when you were co-buried, you were buried in the tomb with Christ and then raised with Christ. You went through a death, a burial, and a resurrection with Christ. Amen? Say with Christ. When he died, you died. That's the truth. You're not dying. He died, so you died. When you said yes to him, you became one with him in his death, burial, and resurrection. And we typify that. We prophetically engage with that act through baptism. Because how many know God did it with you in the spirit, but you weren't there? Amen? Like it happened 2,000 years ago. So we, baptism, we say it all the time, is not a symbolic act I hate that statement. It's said wide and large. It's not symbolic. It's prophetic. It actually takes you outside of this realm and into another one where you're co-buried, co-resurrected. Amen? And so baptism is that picture of death, new life. And so here is the picture of Israel standing on the banks of the Red Sea and Pharaoh's coming after him, the enemy's coming after him, and God parts the sea, and they cross over on dry land, and then the sea collapses back on itself. Do you see a picture of baptism there? Do you see it? Yeah. You might have to open your spirit eyes, you know, help me out here. (laughs) All right, you can imagine with me, all right, but that's what it is. And before we get any further into that, I got to lay some foundations myself here, okay? In order for you to see any of the other pictures I need you to see, you have to understand a couple truths, all right? Here's one of them. Sin is not just something you do. It's an entity that wants to control you. Sin is not just something you can do. It's an entity that wants to control you, that wants to enslave you. Sin is used in the chapter, in Romans 6, that chapter 17 times. Say 17 times. Only once it's a verb. Action. Something you do. Every other time. 16 out of 17. It's a noun. Can You tell me what a noun is person place or thing think about that sin is used as a person in Romans 6 what I just read to you it's used as a place it's used as a thing are you seeing Pharaoh and Egypt and the escape through baptism are you seeing this yet yeah sin wants to enslave you it wants to control you it actually says in Romans six twelve. I love the passion translation I'm in love with this translation it says sin is a dethroned monarch That's a good word. It shows you. He's using it as a noun. Sin is a dethroned monarch, so you must no longer give it an opportunity to rule over your life. Come on. Controlling how you live and compelling you to obey its desires and cravings. Did you know that sin has desires and cravings? Did you know that there's an entity called sin that has its own desires? Maybe that sinful thing you're wanting, quote, unquote, to do is not your desire. What if it's a desire that's trying to be imparted to you by an entity called sin? What if it's an entity trying to control you? This is good news, all right? This is really good news. If you track with me, you'll see it. He's all throughout Romans 6, but another example there is Romans 6, 17 through 18. It says, thanks be to God for in the past you were servants of sin. Are you seeing this? You were servants of the person sin, just like Israel was a servant slave to the person of Pharaoh. You were servants of sin. (laughs) <laughs> but now, hallelujah, I love it when it says, but now, your obedience is heart deep, and your life is being molded by truth through the teaching you're devoted to, and now you celebrate your freedom from your former master, sin, come on, you've left its bondage, come on, I don't even have to preach this, I can just read it to you, you've left its bondage, and now God's perfect righteousness holds power over you as His loving servants, come on, what if somebody would stop? Get, what if someone would declare that God's perfect righteousness holds power over them? I'm overpowered by God's perfect righteousness. There is an entity that holds power over me. It's not sin. It's God's perfect righteousness. I'm overpowered by it every day. I can't, I can't resist it. And come on. This is the truth. Am I, I'm just reading you the Bible. That's all I'm doing. Wow. Going further into Romans 7, because everyone's like, what about Romans 7? <gasps> Romans 7 verse 11, 7 11, here we go. It says, sin, again, personification of sin, by means of the commandment, that's the law, built a base of operation within me to overpower me and put me to death. Sin did that. It built a base of operation to overpower and put you to death. That's what sin did through the law. It says, through the law, sin uh, deceived me and tricked me all right, it overpowers, so you're either overpowered by God's perfect righteousness, the perfect righteousness of God either holds power over you, or sin holds power over you, and guess what, you don't get to decide which one it is once you're one with Christ, because the truth of your situation is, nobody tells Christ what to do, nobody overpowers Christ, and Christ in you is the hope of glory, come on, Listen, I'm just going to let it out of the bag right now. There are so many, uh, Scott said it. He was like, we should just advertise that come get your sacred cows grilled on Sunday morning. That's what we should, (laughs) like, last week we talked about God is in control. That statement's not in the Bible, and we talked about that. Here's one of them. People say this all the time. It's easier to get people out of Egypt than the Egypt out of people. It's okay. You might have said it. You might have preached it. Whatever. Still wrong. (laughs) Because... Either you're overpowered by the entity of sin or you're set free from the entity of sin and overpowered by the entity of righteousness. Now you can be deceived into thinking that Egypt is still in there. You can be deceived. That's the nature of deception. You don't know you're deceived, right? That's the nature of it. (laughs) Ha ha, I'll just take you out of the book of Romans, just so you know, I'm not making this up. I have so many scriptures for what I'm saying to you, but I'm only giving you a few. Colossians 2, 12 through 13, same concept. He talks about being buried with baptism and what happens because of that. It says, we've been buried with him into his death. Our baptism into death also means we were raised with Him when we believed in God's resurrection power, the power that raised Him from death's realm. This realm of death describes our former state. Come on, somebody say it with me. Former state. For we were held in sin's grasp, But now we've been resurrected out of that realm of death, never to return. For we are forever alive and forgiven of all our sins. When you get forgiven of all your sins, you also get set free from sins. You don't get to decide. I'm just forgiven but not free. You don't get to decide. You don't get to change the truth of what happened to you. All you get to do is be deceived or not. (laughs) So... Let's just not be deceived and say stuff like, get the people out of Egypt. You're not the Egypt out of people. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it's just bad. It's just not, not biblical. It's not the Bible. It's not the picture that we see in Exodus 14. And it's not what's going on here. When you are baptized, the Bible actually talks about you being translated or transferred into a new place. Like, okay, so sin is a person, place, or thing. Yeah? Do you see that? You saw it's personified in your Bible? And you can see that in the grammar of any translation. It's not just the passion. Tra- if you look in the ESV, which I, I love my ESV, it's used as a noun. It's not a translation thing. It's a Greek text thing, okay? It's used as a noun throughout. Person, place, or thing. So person, I would call that Pharaoh. Place, I would call that Egypt. Are you following me? Here's in Colossians 1, 13 through 14, the English Standard Version, it says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Do you see that? You've been delivered from the domain of darkness, the place called sin, and you've been transferred into the kingdom of the sun, the, the kingdom of light, the place of the sun. You've been set free from the place called sin and put in the place called the sun. You're in the sun, not in sin. Does that mean you can't sin? That's just so dumb. Of course you can sin. You can choose to sin, but why would you? If you can choose to sin, you can choose not to. This is what I'm telling you. You're You're not under that slave, master, pharaoh, sin thing anymore. You've been baptized into his death. You've been raised to walk in newness of life. Come on it's not heaven. It's heaven on earth. It's not just getting to heaven, right? You guys know this stuff. Come on. All right. Oh, I've given myself 10 minutes. I'm so proud of me. All right. Wow. (laughs) We're gonna read all of Exodus 14. Exodus chapter 14. That's what I wanted to do. I love it. And I want you just to, after everything I just told you, I want you to start looking for pictures, okay? I'm gonna show you some, but I'm not gonna show you all of them on purpose. I want you to See it for yourself, okay? This is like training you to read the Old Testament through the lens of the cross. This is like training you to see Jesus on every page, okay? Amen? You good? Okay, here it is. So, all the backstory from Joseph, enslaved, all that stuff. Moses in the palace in the wilderness comes back, plagues. They get to the Red Sea because they've been set free. Now Pharaoh's after them. Here it is, verse 1 of chapter 1. 14. I don't have it on the screens, okay? So, you guys, I'm reading in the English Standard Version. You can get out your Bible if you want to see it. Um, you can read it on Version on your phone or whatever. I'm a visual guy, so I like to see it. Here's what it says. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of... I can't say that word. Pi Pihari, but between Migdal and the sea in front of Baal, Zephon. I don't know if that's right. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will save the people of Israel. They are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. So basically, he just said, encamp facing the sea with your back to your enemy. That's what he said. He said, don't even look at them. Just let, I know they're coming. Let them come. They're coming. Don't, don't even turn. Don't even look. Look at the sea. <laughs> Pictures, pictures, pictures. When the king of Egypt, verse five, was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, What is this we have done? And what that we have let Israel go from serving us? Givers remorse. So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him, and took six hundred chosen chariots. What's the number of man? Uh-huh. Six hundred chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt, with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of I'm sorry, hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army and overtook them and camped at the sea by Pi Harit the Roth in front of Baal Zephon. All right, sorry for the not thing. I, I never went to Bible college. I can't say these words, okay, sorry. So <laughs> I started a Bible college, but I've never been to one, so, you know whatever (laughs) where are your credentials I've been with Jesus all right so did you hear that all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army overtook them let's say this together all Pharaoh's horses say horses chariots and horsemen and his army overtook them all right so this is bad news bears right here this isn't they're in trouble All right, coming after him. Verse 10, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. Did you hear the disobedience in that moment? God said, face the sea," And they lifted their eyes and looked at the Egyptians. Mm -hmm. And they feared greatly. I wonder why. God knew that you ain't going to be okay if you watch this come at you, all right? You need to just know it's coming, but not stare at it. Some of you are getting free. I can feel it. I can feel it. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said, Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? (laughs) Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Ah, come on. Uh, Chris Vallotton One of my favorite teachers, he says, the dogs of doom are always at the doors of destiny. They're barking at the doors of destiny. They're about to get free from this thing once and for all. And they're like, it would have been better to die in Egypt. (laughs) Yeah. Come on. If it's not good, it's not over. That's right. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. Again, about the eyes. What are you looking at? Which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. Now, somebody, somebody go with me, okay? Somebody step into beliefville, all right? If this is instructional for us, if this is supposed to give us hope, according to Romans 15, 4, <laughs> and this is a picture of baptism, if it is, and he said things like, the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. You can take that. The thing that enslaved you, overpowered you before, you will never see again. Mm -hmm. The Lord will fight for you. You only have to be silent. I love it. 15, the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? (laughs) Are you seeing this? God's like, just look at the sea. I'm going to deliver you. Why are you crying to me? Okay. Tell the people of Israel to go forward, lift up your staff, and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. Now, when God said that to Moses, I wonder what he was thinking. (laughs) Wait, lift my hand and divide the sea. Okay, do I bring it down quickly? What do I do? Lift my hand and divide the sea. Wow. I just like stepping into the story. These are human beings that are hearing God, you know, like that's God. Moses was not like, yes, Lord. He's like,
1: yes, Lord.
0: (laughs) You know, okay. That's just how it happens in my head. Stretch out your hand and over the sea and divide it, and that, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, say his hosts, his chariots, say his chariots, and his horsemen, say his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, say Pharaoh, and his chariots, and his horsemen. When the Bible repeats itself, you should pay attention, Okay. This is emphatic. Then, I love this, picture this in your head. I love this, verse 19. Then the angel of God who was going before the hosts of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. Coming, uh, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. I love this because it's not like the movie, but it's still awesome. It took all night. He drove the sea back all night. With a strong east wind. You know why I love that? Because it's actually scientifically possible in that part of the world. It's scientifically possible in that part of the world where the wind streams go. I've studied this out. If there is a strong east wind, this sea could stand up in a heap. They've proved the Bible with science. But it would take all night. It would take like eight or nine hours of a strong east wind. Isn't that cool? (laughs) Come on. So cool. So... Anyway, and the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground. Come on, they're saying yes to the Lord. They're getting baptized. Okay, they're going through the waters. Are you seeing this? On dry ground, but through the water. So cool. Ah, The waters being a wall on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea. All of Pharaoh's, help me, horses, chariots and horsemen and in the morning watched the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily this is super cool I'm gonna give you something you can chew on it later all right first of all it's awesome that I mean what would that look like the Lord stuck his head out of the cloud and looked upon <laughs> there's a big pillar of cloud and there's a being sticking his head out looking about. That would freak me out too. It freaked the Egyptians out real good, all right? Threw them into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. Now that word chariot that we've been repeating over and over again is actually a homonym. If you know anything about Hebrew, homonyms are awesome, and I have to go fast. Homonyms are really cool. The word chariot also means millstone. It's the same Hebrew word for millstone. And what did Jesus say? Woe to him who brings temptation. It would be better that a millstone be thrown around his neck, and he be thrown into the what? The sea. hmm And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, say their chariots, and their horsemen, say their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. Millstone. Yeah. The waters returned and covered the chariots, say the chariots, and the horsemen. All of the hosts, say the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, none of them Remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to their right and to their left. Thus the Lord uh, saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and his servant Moses. Exodus 14. We made it. All right. Did you see this? How many times does he have to say it? All of his hosts, his chariots, his horsemen, All of the Egyptians, all of them, all, 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 all of them dead in the sea. Now, if this is a picture of baptism, and Pharaoh is a picture of sin, the person, and Egypt is a picture of the place of sin, and you could call the thing, the chariots, or the horses, things, yeah? This is God saying, listen, when I set you free, I set you free completely. Everything that overpowered Israel in Egypt drowned that day. Everything that could chase after them, all the, all the enemy's ability to actually overcome them, died that day. And they were separated, set apart, sanctified from Egypt. Sanctified means to be set apart. They were set apart on the other side of the sea. And everything that could have overpowered them died that day. (laughs) And when you were baptized into Christ, the same thing happened. All of the power of sin, defeated, dead, on the seashore, on the other side, separated from you. Completely set free from the place of sin. Completely set free from the thing of sin. Completely set free from the person of sin. This might not be good news, what I'm about to say to you. It is, but it might not feel like good news. You got no more excuses. (laughs) It is good news. Good news, you don't get to claim that you have a, an evil side and a good side on the inside because God took the evil side and killed it, all right? You don't get to counsel the old man. You got to kill him, all right? Here's one. He, gets, he just mess you up for the rest of the day. God killed your old man so he can marry you, yeah. <laughs> Your old taskmaster, that old husband, Romans 7 calls it, the old husband of the law of sin and death, God killed that guy so that you could be free to marry another, him who was raised from the dead. You're the bride of Christ, are you not? Are we not the bride? Yeah. So sin is actual spiritual adultery on the person of Jesus. I'm going to say it like it is, and this is not, I'm going to keep it as PG as possible. All right? But here it is. It's... If we preach sin properly, we'd stop doing it. I'm about to. Are you ready? We'll see what happens. All right? (laughs) If you've been married to another, and the picture is marriage to the law of sin and death, and you've been married to another, and that person is Jesus, then sinning for the believer is tantamount to adultery, cheating on Jesus, right? But it's worse than that. Uh -uh. (laughs) It's cheating on Jesus With your former captor, with the former enslaver, the former pharaoh, the one that puts you to hard labor, it's choosing that guy over Jesus. But it's worse than that, actually. One more. I don't know if you can handle this. It's cheating on Jesus with your former captor's dead corpse. That's exactly what you should say when sin comes knocking. listen you get a revelation of this sin is not pleasurable sin is not even tempting temptation is a joke if you get if you get to if you see this in your spirit that it's cheating on jesus who's the best husband ever i'm sure you might be pretty great all right but he's probably better all right cheating on jesus with your former captor's dead corpse Necrophilia, that's what that's called, right? It's digging up a dead corpse out of the watery grave and you know what with it. That's what it is in the spirit realm every time a believer sins. If that doesn't bring conviction, your heart's not beaten. If that doesn't compel you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, then pff, I don't know what will. That's the truth. This is what happened in baptism. Completely. Totally set free. Come on. God gives us complete and total freedom. Just like the Israelites completely crossed over and the power of Egypt was completely destroyed, we have been completely set free. Amen? Come on, that's just good news. That is good news. And you have permission next time temptation comes around and say, listen, you're gross and you're dead. Bye, Felicia, she said. Yeah. You can tell temptation to get out your face. You know that? You can. So not only am I dead to you, you're dead and gross. And I don't want none of that. Not attractive. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place, Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you've heard. We also want to let you know about our Vanguard Collective School of Supernatural Ministry launching this fall. For more information, head to vcssm.com, or for more resources like this, head to trptampa.com.